0: This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show.
1: Hi, this is Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures from back in the day. And you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, man.
0: This is my day reporter. Coming up, comedian Keith Alberstadt couldn't avoid the flu. Uh,
1: no, I did not get a flu shot. I figured that hypochondrial and uh, germ phobia enough that I could just. Warded off with hand washing and being uh, careful, but I was
0: wrong. Keith is a real trooper and spoke to us anyway. We'll hear more from him in just a bit. I'll also tell you about that wacky Facebook page we discussed last week. Uh, we have a big announcement coming up at the end of the show, uh, something we were asked to do, and uh, we we're going to be putting together this weekend, and uh, you'll hear more about that in a little bit. But first, as always, fake news. now fake news with me. Google chairman Eric Schmidt arrived in North Korea on Monday for what his delegation called a private visit aimed at gaining a first-hand look at the communist nation's economy and social media. No word on whether Google will roll out a platform in the reclusive nation, but if they do, citizens there will be able to Google everything from Kim Il-sun to Kim Jong-un. As he prepares a legislative package for President Obama's review, Vice President Biden said Friday that multiple approaches are needed to address the plague of gun violence, proving once again he is not as eloquent as his boss, Biden said, We know there is no silver bullet. Biden said that before a meeting with members of the video game industry. The NRA, of course, has stated that more people need to be armed to prevent gun violence, and in a related story, the tobacco industry is recommending a plan to reduce lung cancer by getting more people to smoke. The flu vaccine doesn't guarantee that you'll be flu-free. In fact, it's about 62% effective, the director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Thomas Frieden, on Friday. A video clip of the CDC debunking and explaining flu myths has failed to go viral. NBC's David Gregory won't be charged for displaying a high-capacity ammunition magazine on Meet the Press back in December, the District of Columbia's top prosecutor said this past Friday. The move shocked viewers, as usually the most dangerous thing David Gregory has on his show are softballs. Republican Representative Phil Gingry, an OBGYN since 1975, said former Representative Todd Aiken was partly right when he said women's bodies can avoid pregnancy in cases of legitimate rape. However, the 6 term Georgia lawmaker issued a statement Friday, the day after his comments, saying his position was misconstrued and he neither defends nor stands by Aiken's remark. But he just really, really wants it to be true. And President Obama will take the oath of office with two Bibles uh, that once belonged to a pair of civil rights icons, Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., prompting many to ask, what the hell kind of a Muslim are you anyway? And that's been Fake News with me. So last week we took a look at Newsbusters, probably one of my favorite Facebook pages and websites. You know the folks that are gonna scientifically prove that the media is liberally biased. And of course, who better to prove uh, scientifically that the media is liberally biased than people who don't believe in science? So I think that's just that's lovely. And uh, in the course of looking at Facebook, I told you I'd found an even wackier page. Well yes, you go on to go to right wing rants and raves. Just put that in the uh, in the Facebook search bar and mm boy. All kinds of fun stuff. Well, here, here's one right off the top. Um, by the words of the Quran, it's a picture of, uh, I guess it's which... Uh, actually it would probably upset some people uh, in the first place. Like, it's a, a bearded gentleman with a turban, and I guess it's supposed to be Muhammad. By the words of the Quran, Muhammad was a thief, bloodthirsty murderer, a rapist, and a pedophile. Does it sound like a prophet of God? It's not even the profile of a civilized human being. Well, okay. I mean, there's you can have that kind of theological debate, uh, certainly. But um, I was reading the Old Testament with my daughter the other day. We go and have donuts after church once a day. Did you say church, P.F.? Yes, I said church. We have donuts after church, and uh, she was reading the Old Testament and reading the story of Joseph of uh, the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat fame, and uh, holy cow! Uh, I guess uh, one dude dies, so the Lord wants him to impregnate his sister-in-law because the brother is is dead, and and the brother doesn't want to do it, so the Lord kills him, and oh my god! Yeah, that's a lot better. So. I don't know. This is why people like Bill Maher, you know, point to religious and say, look, it's, you know, we should all take a closer look at this and maybe reconsider this now. Uh, on the other end, I would like to point out that um, over the past couple of months uh, and actually years, I've become uh, really interested in the, uh, the story of Jesus. But I'm like Thomas Jefferson. I, I really like the message. Uh, I'm not sure uh, I'm down with the supernatural stuff, I think. Uh, but uh, a lot of good messages there. Here's another post. Uh, here's what the left and the right believe. Okay, On the left in the column, you have the left is anti-God, which of course I am because I go to church. Uh, anti-life, uh, because I don't want people being shot by you know guns unnecessarily. I'm, I'm, I'm anti-life. Well, anti-gun, uh, which is nonsense because you, uh, you should have a gun to protect your family and your property if you uh, feel responsible enough and are responsible enough. And anti-country, and I love country music. I think uh, Buck Owens and uh, the old guys, Like uh, no, never mind. And, and pro-Obama, and, and I, I am mostly uh, pro-Obama. There, I do have some misgivings. We can discuss that some other time. Now, on the right, the right are, are pro-God. Uh, they're pro-life, except when they want to kill people who are in prison. Uh, they're pro-gun, of course. Actually, they're, they're much pro-gun. They're pro-shooting people. And how can you say that, P.F.? Well, we've had examples before, I've told you, where uh, whenever one of these instances happens where someone does defend themselves with a gun, and usually it's a justified case, certainly. there was that We discussed that mom last year, the uh, the widow, who she lost her husband on Christmas Eve, and like a month later, these thugs tried to break into her house, and she shot him with a shotgun. And, of course, I don't think people were, were very happy about the— well, As happy about the fact that she was defending her family as so much as she shot the guys. So if she would have hit him with a hammer or something like that, you wouldn't even heard about it. And of course, the uh, the right is is pro country and they're anti Obama. Okay, so I'm I'm glad we can all work along like the founding fathers did, because uh, those guys are pretty divided. And it's funny all these people say, oh, the founding fathers, like the founding well, the founding fathers compromised a lot. And uh, they were, just as we are today, uh, vehemently opposed to uh, ideas on each other's side. you know. And they still managed to hammer, hammer things out. So those are just a couple examples off right-wing rants. There's uh, all kinds of funny stuff on here uh, you will find. Here's, um, here we go. Here's Piers Morgan. Uh, he, I guess he told uh, a guest, did you understand how absurd you sound? Do you genuinely believe your own government is going to turn on you? And then they show a picture of the diet he's talking about. And then they show, uh, I guess, uh, some North Koreans uh... being manhandled by uh, the military and um... It, yeah it's always good to be vigilant. always a good idea you know always a g- good uh, idea to keep an eye on your government because as i've always said i'm suspicious of any large system and of course the government is the biggest system uh... in our lives so yeah of course you want to be vigilant but uh... on the other hand it, it's been two hundred years uh, we are allowed to have guns according to the Constitution, just not sure we need assault rifles. I don't know. I, th- I think we, we can open that up for a debate. So that's this right-wing rant and raise for you, and maybe we'll look at some more uh, of these websites to come up. It's, uh, it, it's really uh, fun to see how uninformed uh, and ignorant people are. So, all right. Well, uh, that's that. I've got a funny bit planned for you next week uh, along the gun control debate. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to move on to the big interview. Keith Alberstadt is a stand up comedian originally from Nashville, Tennessee. But for the past six years, he's been based in New York City and has been touring clubs around the country as a top headlining comic. He's a little bit under the weather, but he still agreed to speak to us on PST Recorder. So here's our interview with Keith Alberstadt. On PS Recorder, it's Keith Albersdot. Keith, how you doing?
1: Well, I'm good. <laughs> I am uh, on the tail end of the flu, so uh-huh. um, it's been a it's been a fun day.
0: <laughs> did you uh you get the you get your flu shot before uh, the season?
1: <laughs> I did not. I apologize to your podcast listeners who uh, get to hear this lovely cough. Uh, no, I did not get a flu shot. Um, I figured that uh, hypochondrial and uh, germ phobia enough that I could just ward it off with hand-washing and uh, uh, being careful. But I was wrong. Uh-huh. Those flu germs, those, they're pretty persistent.
0: Yeah. Well, and for a guy that travels a lot, I guess, you probably run into more, uh, you're just interacting with more people, so. That's true.
1: That's true, and um, as much as I'd love to be isolated on a plane, that's not always nah. <laughs> it's not always possible. No.
0: Nah. So, um, for folks that uh, aren't familiar with your uh, with your backstory, um, where are you from originally? <laughs>
1: I am from just down the street from you guys, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, there you go. Uh, but I I now live in New York City. Been here for about six years. Okay, and I love it. Cool. It's no Nashville, but hmm. I love it.
0: All right. Well, um, so you're in Nashville. Um, I know on your bio it says that your uh, dad was a professor at Vanderbilt. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. All okay.
0: the mighty Commodores. There you go. Yeah. They. Um. You know what's weird? Speaking of New York, and this is kind of obscure, but I've noticed uh, they've Vanderbilt changed their um, the logo on their helmet a couple of years ago, and it looks a lot like the old New York Stars logo from the World Football League. Really. Yeah. So whenever I see that, I think, "Wait, is that they are wearing New York Stars helmets?" You look closer, and I'm like, "Oh no," because it's got the star with the V in it. And the new, the old, right. the, the old New York Stars had a, an NY and a star for the eight weeks they were in New York before they moved to Charlotte. But just a little, just a little side there.
1: Well, it was either that or, or copy the New York Mets emblem, and yeah. we wanted to start a winning tradition. So there you go. The
0: star. Huh. So, were, did you always want to be a comedian, or was it a, a case where you were funny and your friends were like, well, hey, you should you should be on a stage somewhere?
1: Uh, no, my original dream, like every other American, um, was to be a baseball player. Okay. <laughs> but once I uh, realized I couldn't hit a curveball, huh. <clears throat> it was either create another dream or uh, start hitting batting cages. So, I chose the easier path. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah, there were, uh,
1: Actually, I, I, I co-hosted a talent show in high school and oh. uh, with, with a buddy of mine, and I, I did jokes in between the acts and uh, just loved it. So it stuck. Okay. Besides, I, I knew if somebody threw anything at me from the audience, it um, most likely wouldn't be a curveball but so it'd be safe.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know to hit that one. So how'd you finally work up the nerve to you know, move toward doing stand-up? I mean, did you go to college with a, a career path in mind, or did you decide pretty early on in high school, and now I'm going to uh, go the comedy route?
1: Uh, I knew I was going to be a comic, comedian right after uh, high school, but you know, I really didn't know what the world was going to be like, so I wanted to get a good education, and Dad being a professor at Andy was a um, you know, pretty good path for me to start. So I started to um, dive into the open mic scenes and I wrote humor columns, newspaper there and uh, things just started to kind of build a little bit. It was, it was kind of a slow build, but by the time I graduated, I knew that it was going to be a way to go. I, I, I had a full-time job after graduation. I actually worked in the athletic department at Vandy for a while. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, I got to travel around with the football team, I was the sideline reporter, during games and... Uh, we're doing okay now in football, but back then it was horrible.
0: Huh.
1: It was awfully comical. Keeping a sense of humor was, de- was definitely uh, was definitely important back then. So it helped.
0: And when were you finally able to leave that and pursue comedy full time?
1: <coughs> I left in uh, I left Vandy in two thousand. Uh, I actually went to a minor league baseball team for a year just to kind of. Uh, Bank some more cash, and I'm oh. full time in 01. Which team? Uh, have I was with the Nashville Sounds. Which oh, okay. Was back then, uh, AAA for the Pirates.
0: Oh, they're the White Sox now, I think, aren't they? Maybe they're
1: actually. Well, they were the Brewers. Are they okay. the White Sox now? They, they, they changed yeah. frequently. Yeah,
0: they were the White Sox for a while, I know. But anyway. <laughs> so you're working for the. Yeah, Nashville they were Sound.
1: Actually affiliated with the Reds. I think. I think Chris Sabo came from the uh, from the Sounds. We're
0: watching him
1: play. And See, we're all connected,
0: Cincinnati. It's it's synchronicity, like like Sting told us way back in the day. So <laughs> That's you right. You're working for the sounds and then uh what happens?
1: Well, it's not the the sounds didn't happen. It was just uh working at Vandy, I knew I just I was doing open mics around around the city and um kind of getting my feet wet. <coughs> I was traveling to various cities that were close by, like Birmingham and Chattanooga and Louisville, and you know, getting stage time wherever I could. And so I just got to a point where I knew that it was either, you know, live in the safe world of, of uh, working America or follow my dream. So I just decided to take the plunge, and I went to the sounds basically just to, to uh, it, was, it was a better salary and a, and a better commission package for sales. Okay. So I just, you know used that for a year just to bank money, and, and then uh, in the fall of 01, I was able to, to say goodbye to the working world. I shouldn't say it like that, because this is a this is, this is killer working world. It's great. Oh, I yeah. i working my butt off. It's, sure. Uh, you know, it's for what I want to do. So
0: And not look back. It's been awesome. That's cool. Uh, so what's the comedy scene like in Nashville? We don't really hear a lot. Of course, you know, it's known, of course, as a, a music town and not so much even a country music town anymore. There's a lot of uh, rock and pop acts coming out of there like Hot Shell Ray and Kesha, but uh, what about comedy?
1: There's a lot of comedians that come out of Nashville that are doing really well. Um, Nate Bargatze is a buddy of mine. He's out oh, yeah. Now.
0: Yeah, I always think he's from Minnesota for some reason, but, yeah, we, we, we've had uh, Nate on the show before.
1: Yeah. Another another big fan of Bargatze kid. Ah. Uh, Tim Northern, uh, he's, I believe, in Louisville now. Dale Jones, um, myself. So Nashville's got a ton of uh, of, of good talent. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Um, Billy Wayne Davis, who's now in Los Angeles.
0: Oh, yeah, I've heard of Um, Billy Wayne.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of talent in Nashville. There's only one comedy club there, Zanies, which is where I started. Uh, One of my favorite clubs to perform. But there's a lot of, you know, it's just like the music scene. There's a lot of random stages around town where you sure. get up and try out new stuff or, or uh, work on stuff that you've been working on whatever. So uh, tons of talent in Nashville. It's a great town. The, but it's, it's so advantageous for a comedian because it's so central to a lot of other towns. Oh, yeah. That you can drive to, you can be based out of Nashville. It's very, very much like Cincinnati, you know, based out of there, but you can travel around and, and uh, get on stage at various
0: places. That's true because you can go to Atlanta and uh, Chattanooga and uh, what else? Like sure. you said Birmingham, Louisville, all those places that uh, you had started out at. Uh, does the music industry in Nashville kind of overshadow the comedy, or do people kind of go for the comedy because it's uh, it's a little different? It kind of is, you know, it's a different it's a different flavor to try every once in a while.
1: That's a good question. I mean, the, the music scene's always going to overshadow a bunch. There, there's so much about about any city that that's awesome, but it it's overshadowed by the signature thing. Uh, but comedy had its, uh, had its, still does has its uh, a, a following. Plus, you know, people who are curious of uh, different celebrity acts that come in or different local acts that are building up. Um, so I don't know how to answer that. It's kind of, uh, it's certainly on the periphery of the entertainment world in Nashville, but it, it's it's prominent. I mean, Zane's has been there for almost 30 years, I think.
0: And what kind of inspired your comedy? Did you always kind of know the direction you wanted to go in, or did you uh, did it take a while to kind of find your voice and the things you were good at uh, making fun of?
1: Well, I've always been very sarcastic and playful, so that's always been my thing. It took a while to kind of hone those skills, but that's basically where I'm coming from. I mean, it's, I think sarcasm is a universal language, and that's what I bring to the stage. It's uh, kind of a smart, clever angle of, of looking at the world and, Uh, in a sarcastic way that everybody can rally around, whether it's laughing at ourselves or, um, you know, of course, other people's situations and whatever. So I've always been like that. I've always been kind of a off-the-wall, kind of a goofball guy, but not in a crazy, weird, out way,
0: just kind
1: of more of a cerebral uh, and playful
0: way. And were you always... Uh, that way, in real life, or did you get to you know amp it up more on stage because you had more of a, a a bigger platform to do that, or how did that work?
1: It's pretty much a mirror image of my of my life off stage. I mean, I've, I've always what you see on stage is pretty much what you get in real life. Uh, I can be serious at times, but it's all everything I talk about is I've always got that smirk, like you know. Life is funny, and not in a uh, ha-ha kind of way, more in just like you, it, in a silly way. You know, some of the stuff we get so worked up about, you step back and look at it, it's like, hey, are you serious? <laughs> it's just not that big a deal. Yeah. And so uh, I'm guilty of just as much as everybody else they're getting stressed out about random stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we all have to look back and say, all right, I'm kind of overreacting, and, and then laugh about it, and makes it all a little more palatable. That's that's what I bring to the stage, and it, you know, it it's not that plain of a um, a form. It's it's um, it, it's much more you know kind of in your face sarcasm about people who say and do stupid things. But it's also that if you step back and look at my set at the end of the night, you're going to say, "Oh yeah," this whole that underlying tone is. Let's give ourselves a break. You know, we're all we're all kind of silly, and life is kind of weird. So uh, why not just laugh about it and and uh, tackle the next day?
0: It's kind of like Steve Martin used to say that uh, as you get older, you, you get uh, prejudice, and he says not towards race or anything, but towards things. You know, let's go try this new thing, and he would slam the door. You know, no, no, thank you. You've already tried that. <laughs> so do you find as you're getting older that you you kind of you, you do mellow out and? and things just don't seem to bother you as much? And does that affect your comedy, or does it, do you make fun of things in a different way?
1: <laughs> I think you make fun of things in a different way. Um, I don't think getting older mellows you out, um, unless you, uh, you know, go through the, 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 the gauntlet of having kids, raising a family, and going through that kind of a life cycle. Uh, in terms of getting older with no family and, and no responsibilities outside of yourself, um, I don't think it mellows you out. It just uh, it, it almost amps it up because you realize that you know I am becoming more of <laughs> an adult. I so should probably get even more serious about life, and that's why your the inner child has to kind of take over and say, "All right," but to a certain degree, you know, let's rein that in. Um, what was the second part of your question?
0: Well, and does it does it change the way you make fun of stuff as you get older, or do you still kind of approach comedy pretty much the same way as when you started?
1: I wouldn't say exactly the same way. Uh, you, you certainly learn through life, and, and experiences are going to mold who you are. Uh, for me, you know, I didn't date a lot. I was kind of a dork in college and high school. And, um... And then once I got into into comedy, it was I was very much just focused and a workaholic. So now that I'm dating all, around in New York, it's uh, some of these are new experiences for me in relationships and whatever. So getting older in that regard, yeah, it's a whole different set of eyeballs looking at it, at an experience. And so it's certainly a different way of looking at things as, if, as I get older, <laughs> and I certain certainly bring that to the stage as well. But I also always have. That sarcastic mindset going into everything, uh, and not in a way that's going to put down new situations, but just another uh, another example of looking at that new situation, saying, "This isn't going to be as serious as we're going to make it. Let's let's have fun with this."
0: And what's your favorite stuff to talk about on stage?
1: I'm sorry, my favorite things to talk about.
0: Yeah, it's like slice of life stuff, or uh, making fun of celebrities, or is there something that you? Uh... You kind of like to zero in on a lot that really excites you?
1: There is everything. Everything that you want to talk about, I'm going to talk about. Um, uh, when I talk about current events and politics, I want everybody to know that it's, uh, it is totally non-offensive and, and non-partisan, and uh, I do not get opinionated on stage. Um, but everything from, from politics to current events to, to dating and family life, being an uncle and a godfather, uh, life in New York, um, and then just random stuff like uh, you know traveling around and, and putting up with, uh, I shouldn't say putting up with, but experiencing different um, things on the road like uh, road trips to Maine and ice fishing up there to uh, taking history tours and Texas and Florida and uh, random cell phone stories. So I mean, it runs the gamut. It is it's it's a forty-five, fifty-minute show that covers a variety of stuff, and it's all in the same sarcastic, playful voice.
0: And do you have like another outlet for your comedy? That uh, you into Twitter at all, or do you uh, write for other um, other venues at all, or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I got uh, my Twitter account is just Keith (laughs) Alberspet. Not exactly a creative handle
0: hey, easy to it's remember
1: Keith Alves. what's that
0: easy to remember <laughs> it is and easy to find yeah.
1: my uh website is keekcomedy.com. I, I write um, topical jokes and humor columns and stuff like that out every now and then do a uh, video sketch so oh, okay. there's a lot of creative outlets for um, not just for me but for comics everywhere
0: out there what would be your uh, ultimate gig then uh with all these you know different you know, vehicles you have for your comedy what would you like to ultimately do with your humor
1: oh that's a good question um i would love to uh to get a writing job for uh honey boo boo that chick is hilarious yeah. um actually i don't know i i've been pretty open throughout this um throughout this career uh I just want to do stand-up, I want to do comedy, and be open to whatever to whatever happens. It's one thing to have have goals. That's very admirable, and I can be very type A like that as well, but I'm also flexible enough to, to know that if I have these goals, but something comes along in my path that invites me to do this other thing, well, yeah, I should be open to that. You know, I don't, for example, um, really, I don't really care about being in movies, but if somebody said, "Hey, we got a great role for you in this upcoming hit movie," I'm not going to say, "No, that's not on my list of goals." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I've got um, I got goals. I guess my ultimate would be—I'd love to to, uh, to write full time for a Weekend Update. Right now, I'm a contributor writer for them. Oh, okay. Which uh, you know, baby steps. So, uh, yeah, I would love that job. But that that I, even if I got that, that wouldn't be. The end. I wouldn't say, all right, I've done everything. I can quit now. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be that carrot dangling in front of my face. Whether it's you know writing for Update or uh, you know getting an HBO special or whatever. There's always going to be that that next step. You know, five years ago I would have said getting on Letterman. I've done that twice. So now what's next? There's always going to be
0: something else. You know? Yeah. What's well, that's a good way to set it up. Well, all right, sir, I'll let you uh, get some more rest here and maybe finish knocking out that flu bug and uh, (laughs) getting on to watching those playoff games today.
1: My urine smells like chicken noodle soup and (laughs) Dexter rerun.
0: (laughs) All righty, sir. Well, like I said, we'll see you in Cincinnati, uh, I guess, this week, actually. And then, uh, of course, the print version of this will be in City Beat and the uh, podcast should drop tomorrow night. So... um, You'd be in, in print and online and uh, over the podcasting waves and everything. <laughs>
1: okay, cool. All right. Uh, Pia, thanks for your time, man. I All hope right. hope that was uh, what you wanted.
0: Yeah, no, it, uh, w- it was perfect, and uh, continued success to you, and uh, get some rest, okay? Thanks, Clay. I appreciate it. All right, man, bye. Thanks again to Keith Alberstadt for being on the show, being under the weather and all. You can catch Keith at Go Bananas in Cincinnati January 17th through the 20th. You can catch me at the Varsity Sports Bar and Grill in Cincinnati on January 15th for PF Trivia Live and then at Go Bananas on Wednesday, January 23rd for Pro-Am Night. All right, so that's all the dates and stuff out of the way. Oh, and you can find all things uh, Keith Alberstadt at KeithComedy.com. He's got some great video clips on there, the rest of his tour dates, and uh, that's where you can find out about Keith. Okay, now the big announcement is, then um, the reason we kind of had a... Uh bit of a shorter show today is because we were asked to count down my top 20 songs of 2012 on Radio Fusion out of Singapore, so we're putting that show together tomorrow and sending it uh, out there to East Asia, probably on Sunday night, and then as far as how you're going to be able to listen to it, I'm not even sure, so the best thing to do is to like PF Tape Recorder on Facebook and or follow me on Twitter at PF66, and then as soon as it's up and running, uh, I will tweet that out and put a Facebook message out, and then everybody can listen to my top 20 songs of 2012 will be co-hosting with me and Lizzie's going to make an appearance as well alright other uh, orders of business of course the PF Tape Recorder logo is designed by Dan Koble. follow him at Tiger Dactyl on Twitter music for PF Tape Recorder was composed and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me uh, and that is all the business we have for this week other than to say so long and thanks for listening